love laid bare. Sharing the highs and lows of stories that matter to you. One conversation at a time. Good afternoon, good evening or good morning wherever you are in the world. You are through to another episode of Love Lay Bear. So guys, it's 2020. How are we getting on with our goals? Have we flopped? Are we still kind of going through? Um, I'm really looking forward to this year. I have got so many plans and things I want to do personally and with the brand and whatnot. Um, so yeah, let's let's make 2020 a good year. Let's make it a good year. So, um, I have a very special guest with me today. It's my first time meeting him. Um, we've, I think, been following each other on Twitter probably, only not that long, really. Only a few months. Only a few months, months yeah. literally, yeah. Um, I came across him because he, I think somebody maybe retweeted a blog post of yours or something Correct. like that. Yeah. Um, but yes, welcome, Larry. Hello. Thank you for having me. So, tell the audience about yourself. Hi, well, my name's Larry. I'm the editor and founder of a mental health and wellbeing website called throughthismind.com um, to normalise the conversation around mental health, um, mental health issues, problems, um, sort of promote wellbeing, promote, and also talk about my experiences in regards to relationships, um, friendships, family, careers, um, faith as well, and... Um, just generally just sort of showing people, telling people that it's okay to feel how you're feeling, um, how to overcome it as well through my personal journey and what I've done to sort of overcome it as well. Um, yeah, just a normalised conversation about mental health. And I think it's very important that we as a community, as you know, as, as men, as women, black mm-hmm. people as well, yeah. do sort of do their part in what they can to sort of help other people um, in whatever situation they're going through. Okay, so I think we're kind of kindred spirits in that respect because essentially that's what Lovely Bear is all about Literally, too. Yeah. So it's it's actually nice to come across someone who has a very kind of obvious shared interest. Mm. So this should be a very, very good conversation. I hope so, I'm yeah. sure it is, yeah. So what inspired you to start your platform? Oh, okay. So um, I've always enjoyed writing. I've been, I used to have a, a music blog many years ago on Tumblr. That okay. was very popular, that got a lot of numbers, um, just random writing facts and current songs, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, but it was when I was at law school, so I went to law school between 14 to 16, I did a part-time for a year and a half, and I really underestimated the, the struggle that I experienced through that. Um, so through that um, year and a half process, you know, I was really suffering from loneliness, really. Okay. And going for a lot of like very isolated, long periods of isolation, struggling to even fund law school, struggling to sort of get through the lessons and get through the sessions and do really well in the exams. Um, so I was really in a down place for a long period of time, for at least a year. Wow. Because at the beginning I was like, yeah, I've got this, I'm going to go and kill it and get really, do mm-hmm. really well. And then the first time finished and I was like, well, I'm struggling. I'm really not doing well. Mm-hmm. I don't have anyone to talk to. I can't afford this. Um, I'm working like near enough one or two jobs to sort of pay for, pay it. for it. My parents, mm. my parents are helping me here and there, but we need to choose my investment. Yeah, you know. And <clears throat> towards the end of the course, um, I, luckily I still passed. Thankfully, I still passed. Um, and I got a new job um, working in a in a in a bank, investment bank. And I was still really struggling with like, yeah, a lot of I didn't know at the time, but really being depressed and having a lot of anxiety about, you know, at the time, you know, say exams are coming up, oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it on exams, I'm revising, but previously I, I revised and I didn't very well, so mm-hmm. using again, so just really overthinking a lot of issues. Um, and so when I overcame that and started working, work was, work was really, really great. Um, and then I went on holiday in 2017 to Ibiza with two of my friends, and the plan was for us to really have a good time, enjoy mm-hmm. ourselves, live it up and all that. But... And at that period, after 2016 to 17, I had really, really worked so hard to overcome my depression and anxiety, you know, from things like just praying and things for listening to, like, um, gospel music or positive music mm-hmm. or being around people who are really encouraging and helpful to me to sort of overcome what I had gone through at that period. And so 2017 summer, I was like, I worked so hard in the gym. I was killing it in the gym. My body was on point, everything. Mm-hmm. We went to Ibiza. And I was really just really enjoying myself. But... Um, at that time, I don't think my friends I was with really understood 
the place I had come from to where I am today. Okay. And so at that period, we, you know, they were saying a lot of things that were really hurtful to me. And it's weird because, you know, guys banter generally, but yeah. for me, I'm not a banterous kind of person. I don't take personal banter very well. I don't right. take insults to me very well because of, you know, what I've been through, my upbringing, journey through life. Mm-hmm. I don't take sort of insults um, lightly. Mm-hmm. So I was like, guys, I'm not really feeling the banter here. Like, can we like change it up? And they were like, no, Larry, you're just being, you're just doing this and that, doing that. Um, just not really taking heed to what I'm saying to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I posted on Twitter saying, I'm going to write um, a piece about this holiday and how it's really been detrimental to my health and just been really bad for me generally. Mm-hmm. And somebody that I follow really well, she um, sent me a message, um, like, how are you? Are you all right? I said, really, I'm not all right. Um, it's a really bad holiday, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to write a post about this and show people, you know, how bad friends are kind of thing. And she was like, I don't think you do that. That could come across very badly on your side, you mm. know? And I was like, you know what, you're right. I think I was just really in a bad place that I was like, I was just trying to just do anything to sort of get my mind off of this holiday. Yeah. So I came back, that was um, end of summer, 17. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I really want to share how I've grown over the last few years because I'm not who I was, you know, back at school or university, mm-hmm. you know? I'm like early mid twenties now, I'm in a better place. I want to sort of show, share and show that to people. So I thought, okay, maybe just do a website about my journey and just sort of share that and show how I overcome it and hopefully it could help somebody. Mm-hmm. So October um, 17, like November, October, I sort of shared on Facebook that I'm going to release a website about um, called Through This Mind, mm-hmm. normalising the conversation about mental health. Put it on my Facebook, on Twitter, on um, Instagram, and it blew, it blew up. My Facebook, who have a lot of my, my school university friends, were like, Larry, thank you so much for this. I'm going through X, Y, and Z. Mm. You sort of, you know, show me that, you know, I'm not the only person going through yeah. anxiety or mm-hmm. depression. Um, please keep it up. Please share your story. I will read through it as well. And Twitter as well. I've got so many retweets and so many like, oh, well done for this. Or mm-hmm. thank you for doing this because a lot of men don't talk about their issues and stuff like that. And for me, it was like, oh, wow, like I'm not alone mm. in what, I'm go- what I've yeah. been going through and what I'm currently going through as well. So I launched in January um, 2018 and yeah, it's been ongoing ever since. So it's been coming up to two years of like through this mind, just doing its own thing in terms of like sharing stories. Mm-hmm. My personal journey, also I get guest writers to come on as well who okay. share their personal insights or what they're going through in either if it's their career um, wise or mm-hmm. mental health journey or whatever it is. Um, so I cover a sort of spectrum of different things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Fantastic. Okay, so... We spoke a bit off air about a few things. So I want to kind of take it from the top. So just kind of give us like a brief kind of um, outline of like, you know, where, how you grew up, you know, going into school and that type of thing. Okay. Sorry. Um, I I grew up in New Cross, South London, South London. Um, Went to a really good primary school, went to, and I went to boarding school. Um, from year seven to year 13 um, and that was a great experience in terms of like getting involved in different curricular activities sports music um, the arts in general and you're again you're with your friends you're growing up, you're growing up with your friends you're in a really like, good environment and yeah at, at the time I really enjoyed it I worked really hard I tried to you know study really hard and all of that but again it didn't really always reflect in my results um, I was thinking about what's going on. Like I'm revising from like day one. I'm asking teachers what I can do to sort of prepare, prepare and excel, mm-hmm. and it's not re- re- being res- you know showing my results as well. So um, that was fine. I went to university in Bristol. Um, I, I did a law degree. That was a great you know experience. But again, like, there were issues and issues where I'm working really hard, but I'm not. It's not showing in my results. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm speaking to the lecturers from like early. What can I do to sort of do really well in this course and on this module and like do this and I'm, I'm applying those things but it's still not reflected in my results yeah I had a bit of a breakdown in second year where um I failed a module completely failed a module mm-hmm. I had to retake it in my third year and in that second year also again I, I went through an experience of loneliness and isolation um yes I lived in the house of my friends but I never went out I never did um anything sort of like the downside of really an intense work period Mm-hmm. I was also working part time as well, so like there was no way for me to sort of like just have a social life. You know, you're at university yeah. for three years, you want to go out, party, have fun. Mm-hmm. But um, I had no money. Um, I had friends, but we weren't really going out at all. We would just sort of sit in the house. Yeah. Um, 
So that then reflected in my exam results, the fact that I will constantly be studying and reading, but nothing's really going in. Mm. Nothing's really sort of being retained for the exam or being applicable, or being applied for the exam. So in third year, I had to like speak to my, my tutors. I had two tutors, one academic, one sort of pastoral care tutors who helped me throughout third year from literally from like how to write an essay to have some downtime and go out with your friends mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah, enjoy yourself. Yeah. Like you've left for three years, it's almost finished now, you're in third year and you want to end this way. Um, year well and pass and mm-hmm. at least get 2-1 you know and so I had to like literally transform my whole life around because I had to do instead of doing four modules I did um, six okay. in the final year wow and so while still working part time so that's a lot it's a lot so luckily for me I found new friends who were able to sort of give me the social life that I needed we went out a lot and you know it was good balance yes did very well in my final mm-hmm. year got a lot of first and two ones that was just great mm-hmm. I finished that so came back to London now um, and then in, in that gap between getting a grad job getting a job in general to after graduating it was a bit like oh what's going on mm. um, so I got a job and that was cool and that was great earning money I went to law school as I said before um, from 2014 to 16 and I said before you know going through issues of depression anxiety and just really being people really downplay and you know don't really think about loneliness as a young person thing but mm. really truly a lot of people are going through you know, serious loneliness in their life. So when, so when you went to, when you started law school and your depression and anxiety, did it kick back in? You kicked back in, yeah. So what was the trigger for that? Was that, was that the loneliness or? Yeah. So I think the fact that, you know, I went to law school, so it was a one day a week course and the rest of the days you do your own study and go to work, wherever it is, because we're doing it part time. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing people one day a week in, in the lecture form. And I was the only male, and I was the only black. Um, I was one of three black people in a class of about 16, 17 people. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, there and then, you already, as, a, as me as an individual, as a, as a male and a black male, I've already isolated the fact that I couldn't connect well with the other people in the class, either yeah. the Asian people or um, the white people in the class, because you know I couldn't just be myself, for example, mm-hmm. in terms of like having a fellow man at least to sort of like, oh, I'm struggling through this, or how do you think about this? Yeah. And because the girls are very clicky in terms of like just the group, just just naturally, you know, I think that's not a bad thing yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt alone, literally. So mm. I will revise by myself. I will study by myself. I will read through the lectures by myself, as opposed to having like a group fitting as you normally would in school or at university. Mm-hmm. And then away from that as well, I was working. I was working in Tesco's. You know, it's a it's a hard job in terms of like dealing with customers day in day out yes. working long hours mm-hmm. and all of that as well and I'm still applying for my graduate roles that I'm trying to get through and get into mm-hmm. and so it was just a long period of just like um yeah isolation and just being by yourself because you're studying by, I'm studying by myself I'm mm-hmm. doing a lecture work by myself because people might not come in on a Monday to do the lectures at all or the full day of, right, of okay. sessions mm-hmm. and I'm just oh I don't know anyone in class or it's a lot less of us now and so yeah so that came back in because of the fact that I was just by myself so were you living at home i was at home um home was struggled because there were different issues going on at home financial issues for myself the fact that i was funding this fifteen thousand pound mm. course um near enough just me and my dad and using all my life savings that i've just gathered after being at university to, yeah mm-hmm. and starting this um, law, law course as well um so yeah it, was, it wasn't like i can get away from university or from the law school lectures and come home to like a comfortable environment yes mm-hmm. it was no it was literally the same of like law school is difficult home's difficult work's not great so where do I have mm. the place to sort of be myself and be comfortable have support yeah and so because of that you know I didn't have much friends around or family around to sort of like allow me to have downtime or like vent off of what I'm yeah. experiencing mm-hmm. so a lot of it is conjured up and sort of harbored in my own mind so therefore, the anxiety kicks in, kicks in because mm-hmm. you're overthinking and going on and on about whatever it is you're experiencing and seeing or, or feeling. So it was it was just literally different environments of just mm-hmm. struggle at that point. At that point. So did your so did your social life at that time did it suffer because you had so much going on, or did you kind of find the transition of coming back to London after that period of time in university? Did you feel that maybe your friendship groups that you'd already formed down here mm. 
had had they suffered somewhat? Would you say? Yeah, because some of my friends were still at university doing a placement year, or I see. Not everyone right. was back in London from university, or some people had done longer courses or mm-hmm. changed universities. So everybody was sort of everywhere. Right. Okay. So it wasn't as if like people had neglected me purposefully mm-hmm. um, when I was back in London. It was only me and another friend that had finished university at the same time and come back to London. Someone stayed in Bristol to start to work as well after university. Mm-hmm. So it was like you'd form all these friendships groups, for example, at university where nobody, no one's from London. That's true, yeah. People from mm. up north or whatever it is. So you come back and it's just like, oh, okay, what's going on? And at that point, you know, I'm working to fund law school. So therefore, mm. I'm working on social hours because I'm studying or I'm revising at um, other hours. Yeah. So people are not always readily available to be at my beck and call to mm-hmm. do what I want to do like, when, I, when I want to do it. Or if they want to do something, I can't make it because I'm revising or yeah. I've, I've got work at Tesco's that I need to, mm-hmm. I can't drop out of. And so, but also at the same time, it's like people also want to check in on me at that point. You know, yes, we were all, everyone's going through different things, but you always do check in on people you care for. Yeah. And I felt at that time people weren't checking in on me. So, and it did hit me when I came back from university because I, I started therapy for a little bit, a period in 2013, end of 2013. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I come back to London, I come back to London from university and my friends are not hitting me up, you know, we're not as close as we used to be, what's going on? And that's when my first session of therapy um, began. Wow. So, 2013, so that was six years ago. So yes. we, did, we didn't have this big social media move of, Mm-mm. you know, encouraging people to go into, you know, th- seek some type of, you know, because there's so many different types of therapy. So what is it that actually inspired you to make that step? Yeah, for me, I like to talk. I'm sure you guys have gathered already. I've already been rambling on for like a minute now. Um, Don't do that. <laughs> I, I really like to talk and sort of just like get other people's point of views or mm-hmm. provide my, or just vent really. Yeah. And I didn't have anyone to vent, to vent to. I had friends, but everyone's got their own life and doing their own thing. So I thought, okay, I know therapy is a thing because people go there to get help, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. even though I don't feel I have mental health illnesses at the moment or issues at the moment, I just want to talk to somebody. So I began, I just thought, let me just get to Google local therapists mm-hmm. in the Southeast area and started a session um, with a black lady. Um, yeah, for only a matter of weeks because uh, when I look back on it now, I wasn't mature enough to sort of go through the experience because you have to talk about serious issues yes. and deep-rooted issues mm-hmm. and really question your thought processes or why you are the way you are today and mm-hmm. go back. A lot of it is rooted from your upbringing yes. and your parents yes. and your childhood mm-hmm. which you know for some people is traumatic mm-hmm. and you know you want to go in there to talk about your friends oh my friend did this to me or my friends but really truly why are you like that to your friend and it's going to go mm-hmm. back to your yep. childhood mm-hmm. and the way you were with your parents and how your parents treated you mm-hmm. so looking back I just wasn't ready for it at all so mm-hmm. I stopped after about three or four sessions okay but again it was a good insight to the fact that okay to do therapy is a it's a real thing it's, yeah. a, it's a big commitment Mm. So did you do any therapy post-2013? Yes, so I began therapy again this year, oh, so 2019. Um, And the top of it, because everything's been going fine in my life for a while because I've put in the work to really, you know, create a healthy environment, to create a really positive and good mental space for myself. Mm -hmm. But I think because a lot of things had happened in, in that the last year or so in my life, good and bad, it was like, I think I need to be somebody to sort of figure out how I'm going to process the next step mm-hmm. in my life. How am I going to um, manage my, my mental state and my, my thought processes and a lot of things. Because I was, you know, I um, started a relationship with my, with my girlfriend um, at the time. And it's a, it's a serious relationship. We're sort of taking it forward kind of thing. And at the same time, um, work is up and down. Work is not that great. But I really want to carry on my, my legal career. Mm-hmm. Um, going through, you know, mourning a loss as well. And relationship with my family and my parents being a lot stronger than it was before but still having to understand how we got here today yes for it now it's a good space Mm -hmm. so again good and bad things were sort of happening but I just wanted to have somebody to talk to who I could relate to Mm -hmm. um who could really help me through the process so I hit up a um a sort of um group called frontline um therapist Yes, we've had we've had her on. Oh really? Yes. Okay. Uh, she she really helped me in finding the perfect um, therapist. He, I said to her, I'm looking for a black male who's married, who's Christian, mm-hmm. and um, who under- who basically understand those elements of my life because yes. I'm Christian. I'm looking to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a black male. Yes. And it's in our in the whole sector of 
um, therapy and therapist has a small pool. Yes, it is. And um, I'm glad you've actually stated that specifically because I always tell my listeners, find a therapist that looks like you first and foremost. You know, second, if you can find someone who is culturally attuned to you as well, Mm. because it saves a lot of explaining and conversation. Like even, for example, when I had um, frontline therapist on a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, we spoke about the fact that it's... We're not saying that you can't get the results of if you had like for example a white female middle class um Mm. therapist but at the same time there is just going to be a level of understanding between you and another black person exactly you know like when i when i had um when i picked my last therapist i've had like three bouts of therapy um but this last this last bout i was kind of like okay no I need someone that is going to understand me without me having to really explain, mm. you know. So if I if if I talk about the fact that, you know, um, I grew up um, and I used to see my grandma speaking in tongues. Yeah. She already knows what that she is. She gets it. Right she right. gets it. Yeah. But if I'm sitting across from a white female atheist... She'll be like, what do you mean? What's that? What's that? You're sitting there going, having to explain something that is part of your culture or part of your right. surroundings and it's deviating away, fr- away from the conversation you're really trying to have. Exactly. And, you know, time is of the essence and time is and money. I'm paying for this. Yeah. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, literally, I would be in my sessions and I'm like, I get in. Right. Yeah, no, literally. <laughs> you know, and obviously, I understand every everyone's different because some people take a while to warm up. I was just like, look, I'm paying for this, so... Mm. And I literally just be like, do you want to just calm down? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just take your time kind of thing. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was my, my kind of little mini experience. So in your opinion, you know, with what you're doing with your, your blog piece and stuff like that, you know, and we said off air that black men in particular seem to struggle to really kind of get with the idea of going to talk in therapy mm. why do you feel that is i think we just we've seen a society so many times over the years where um black men are told just to man up or deal with it or don't complain you're or like even from young you're a boy don't cry yes so a lot of a lot of men grow up with sort of harboring keeping in their emotions keeping in their feelings and only eventually it will explode you explode it would mm-hmm. come up either in a violent way to yourself or somebody else, or it would mm-hmm. come up in a way that is detrimental to your health or to somebody else again. And it's just like, we need to dismantle that whole framework. We're in a mm-hmm. new society, we're in a new age of where we have seen people struggle because they've had to man up, they've had to keep quiet. And mm-hmm. we need to just break the cycle, either in our, generationally, in society, in our culture, in our, in our just everywhere, in every element of society. We mm-hmm. need to dismantle that framework and mindset, the fact that men men have emotions too mm. a lot of it is a lot men have strong emotions the way men complain that women have strong emotions well men have very strong emotions and i believe that we have equally as strong yeah. as emotions it's, it's just that women are allowed to probably express them yeah more so than men are so what what was it like what point did you get to where you were like Do you know what i am going to break this now because I can't continue like this. Like, what what kind of happened for you to be like, I'm breaking out of this, I need to man up, I shouldn't be emotional, this is just who I'm going to be now, I'm yeah. going to be authentically me. Yeah. So what kind of happened for you to get to that point? As I said, it was when I was in Ibiza with my friends where, you know, they, they're insulting me and I'm, guy, I'm like, guys, this is actually hurting my feelings here. And they're mm. like, oh, let me just stop being, a, stop being a girl, basically. They told me that, stop being a woman. I'm mm. like... I'm just telling you how I'm feeling after you insulted me. How is that me being... That doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm a human being. I have mm, feelings. Mm. And from what I've literally... And they, to be fair, they didn't, have, they didn't have much of an idea of what I had been, been through in the last year plus where I was depressed. I was having anxiety mm. issues and stuff like that. So they weren't privileged. But when I was like, guys, like, I've actually struggled this last few years and I'm mm. only better now, but you guys don't even know. And you guys, we've known each other from when we were 11. Mm. At that point, we were like 25. That's like a 14-year 14 year, 14 year, um, friendship of like... We all lived together at school. We grew up, like, honestly, we were so, so, so close. Mm. It was like, you guys, I went through all of this. You guys had no idea. I'm telling you now, you guys are going to throw it in my face. So it was like, you know what? I'm not having this. So at that point, it was just like, 
if we're going to argue because you don't want to respect my boundaries, the fact that I don't want to hear or be told a certain thing, mm-hmm. that's between us and yourself. Because yeah. with me, I'm not, I'm not standing for it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then, which is why I sort of wanted to share like what I had been through to people so other people can see other people can see that men have feelings too mm. men have emotions too men go through a lot of issues in their life that a lot of people don't know about mm-hmm. so let's let's just have an open dialogue with everybody mm. so we can all just live a more peaceful and um just open and just like just more loving life mm. every time i end a post it normally ends with peace and love because if we had more peace and love in this world honestly there'll be so much more positivity and just more oh, yeah, greatness in our lives so i just really mm. try to share that to people and just tell people like look men have emotions too women have emotions too let's just respect each other and support each other in everything do you think if you hadn't have gone through those periods of depression and anxiety would you have been able to take the insults because i guess what i'm trying to ascertain is is that like yeah like you said guys are very kind of banterful and they will I, I feel like they will do digs more than kind of women will. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, so outside of you having that experience where your mental health had suffered, would it still hurt the same? No. The reason why I know this is because growing up, like with me, I've always been a banterous person. I'm quick with my tongue, very mm. witty, especially the fact that I'm Nigerian as well. Our tongue is very sharp and when you're with your boys and you're all bantering each other from young, like from school, primary school, secondary school, even at uni, like you just, that's how you show your love for each other. Mm-hmm. If your friend's got bad shoes, you have to tell them, oh, your shoes are dead. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a love between that. But yeah. you don't know anybody. You wouldn't tell somebody you don't know, oh, your shoes are rubbish. Yeah. For example. So for me, I've always been quick at the tongue and, but it's always been with love and mm-hmm. care and affection with my boys and even with girls who are my friends as well. Mm. Um, but it's when it's when I really grew up and I realised there's actually power in the tongue oh 100% honestly the tongue is high five <laughs> the tongue is very lethal mm-hmm. and you don't know what someone's going through when you're telling these um, telling them banter or these words that could really trigger something mm-hmm. or really affect them so when my first, my friends at, in our people were doing that to me honestly on their side friend to their side it's that we've always bantered with each other what they were saying was not wasn't new but mm. I was in a new stage in my life at that yeah. point. I have overcome a lot at that point. So for them, for them, for me telling them like, guys, this is how I feel about this now, mm. should have been, I think it should have been enough. But because it was like, we've been friends for so long, yeah. it was like, he's all right, he's just tripping. Or he's yeah. all right, tomorrow you'll be fine, innit? Mm. But it was a thing with it, like, no, 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 I'm really different now. I'm in a new place. And to be fair to them, we hadn't um, been in the same environment like that since school, which was like, what? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, five years ago where we had university, after university working now, mm-hmm. and it was 2015 summer. Yeah, so it's been at least five years since school that we have lived together in that, in that kind of environment. So yeah, I know for a fact that it was coming from love, it was coming from banter, like, we don't hate you, like, come on. Mm-hmm. But it was like the fact that, look, my mindset is different now. I need to be fed positivity for mm-hmm. me to really flourish and do really well in life because I've experienced a lot of negativity, not even just school, but also at home, mm-hmm. that I just can't have this around me anymore. Yeah. Can we touch on home? Yeah, yeah. So what was going on at home for you? Um, home was a lot of issues of, uh, like my parents got divorced 2008. I think I was like 16 or so. And that was just years of like different um, family issues, marital issues, all of that, that did affect um, the kids, me. And I'm the oldest of three. Okay. Um, and also issues with like just my parents as well connected with them and not re- or not connected with them really mm-hmm. um, over time and so it was lots of ups and downs and because you're at boarding school and you're not you're away from home mm. you're not with them all the time and yeah. so I wouldn't see my parents for you know three weeks of the term three weeks at a time come back home for the weekend and then go back to go back to school on the Sunday and so you're just not you're not building a healthy relationship between child and child and parent and on top of that, it's just like, you know, you hear, you know, um, spiteful words or words that would not help to grow a child in a healthy environment. Mm-hmm. So, or you're seeing things as a child that it was not, it's not going to form your brain or your mind or yeah. your feelings in a positive way. Like, we've, because I'm, I'm older now and I've sort of had to set boundaries or tell them, like, this is how I like to be treated. I'm a, mm. I'm a grown man now. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you have to let our parents know the fact that. Do you know what? We're in a different age now. A hundred percent. And the thing is, I think I saw a tweet yesterday or a couple of days ago where someone was saying exactly that. Like, 
you have to almost teach your parents over a period of time about yeah. what you are going to and what you're not going to accept. Yeah. Because I think especially when you're moving into the realm, particularly in adulthood, you must respect my boundaries yeah. now. You know, I'm creating my own space now. Right. Did you find that a challenge? No. No, because at that point, I think when it came to the point of like me being 16 and over now, you know, you have your own mind. You know, mm. you're, you're learning to become who you are. You're learning to know more about yourself. And your parents can only do so much, you know, to a certain age where now you can actually live for yourself and have mm. your own mindset, have your own beliefs and values. And for me, I was like, no, I, I don't want to be talked like to talk to you like this or be treated like this. Mm. You know, I always respect you as my parents always, forever. But I think I would like to have respect in return because yeah, I've never brought police to your front door. Mm-hmm. I've never caused you to go to the, you know anything, do anything to cause you guys harm or anything like that. So mm. I do, I do like kind of like yeah, be respected. Mm. And so my parents found it quite difficult at the beginning because it's like ah, my, my child's talking to me like this or my, mm. my child is telling me this and that I'm your parent so no no okay you're my parent always I'm your child always but at the same time mm. I'm becoming an adult and when, it, when I was an adult now I started to pay my own bills and do my own thing it was further more like look I'm showing you guys more reasons why I should be respected you know I've got a good job I'm doing really well in school or university or whatever it is and so I think over time my parents just became you know, you know what you're right because you're a man now, you're going to become a father soon or get married soon or whatever mm. it is. So, you know, you deserve the respect that you that you want. Mm. So, yeah. No, do, you, do you think... You're Nigerian? Yeah, Nigerian. Right. So, do you think that your parents' attitude um, towards, you know, kind of growing children was like a cultural, more cultural thing or do you think it was quite individual to them? No, it was very cultural. You know, I can, I, I can only imagine what they went through back home, um, being, raised, being raised in Nigeria, mm. where I'm sure beating's the norm, where I'm sure, you know, kids getting beaten in school. At, you know, I, I know for a fact that um, that generation were definitely beaten at school, yeah. mm-hmm. beaten in church, beaten at home. So for them, it was the normal of like, if a child did something wrong, they would get beaten for beaten, it, whether yeah. it is with a whip, belt, hand, whatever, shoe, slipper. Mm. So for them, it was like, for them, it was like, right, we will obviously do the next, the same thing as well to yeah. our kids, because that's how we raise them. We're fine now. You know, as them as adults, oh, we're good now. Yeah, we, they, know, yeah. Good oh, lives. Are, are you though? Uh, exactly, and a lot of it is again childhood tra- trauma yes. that they've internalized and now bringing it back out to you know to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it was definitely a cultural thing, especially being Nigerian. I, don't, I know a lot of kids who are like me who are getting slapped and getting beat. It was mm. normal, but and you do things to sort of avoid it, and you know you try and like hit back or. Curb it. Hit back. Not hit back in time, like fight, but it's like, it's like stop it. Stop you know, it. Yeah. Stop, stop the beats, kind of thing. And when you get, when they get older, and you're now 12, 13, for example, it's like, why am I beating you? Yeah. You, it's, it's not doing anything. Uh-huh. So there's other ways and other means to discipline a child, mm. honestly, because beating. And even like a band of my with my siblings, like yeah, when I have a child, I'll be. But it's like no, because it's like it won't do anything. It won't mm. change anything. It won't do. It won't make it any, any better. Mm. So it's definitely a cultural thing, for sure. So when you were in boarding school, mm. um, how was that experience for you? Because, I mean, I guess ordinarily when you kind of generally think about boarding school, you're going to think of like a very white majority. Mm. Was that your experience? No, there were a lot of black people <laughs> at my okay. school. Yeah, because the school was um, like a charity boarding school. So mm. we had a lot of people from single parent backgrounds or low income families where the fees were subsidised. So it, it was targeting people from... London or inner city London who were smart kids went to really you know did very well at primary school for example mm-hmm. and have the potential to do very well growing up so for example um, in my year oh, I've got a number I can't put a number in it um, about students over a quarter of us were black okay over a quarter of us you know we're definitely in each house I think there were about 12 houses in on the school and in each house probably about um, at least two in every year group so seven, six, seven year groups mm-hmm. and at least two in each one. So you, you can count up at least 15 or so in mm-hmm. a house of black um, people. Um, so yeah, in a classroom as well, you have one or two or three black people and Asians as well and white people. Mm-hmm. So it's very multicultural, very okay. diverse. So you never felt isolated um, as a black person or as a person in general. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was a mixed school as well. So boys and girls. Oh, so boys and girls? Boys and girls, yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Before. Yeah, boys and girls. So uh, when I was there, it was about... 750 people in the school yeah and a 
a good strong quarter. And a lot of us came from London, South London, North London, Reputants, all of that. So mm-hmm. we were never far detached from London. And London, like right, and I see, okay. And it was only like an hour train from London, Victoria. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like we were all the way in Scotland or all the way in on the seaside. We were yeah. just by, not even too far close to Brighton, okay. like West Sussex. Um, so yeah, um, it was very, so we, we felt connected. We didn't mm-hmm. feel isolated. We didn't have the issues of like being racially profiled. Like right, overtly. okay. Maybe subtly the fact that, you know, for example, me being selected, I wasn't really helped, but my white counterparts were helped from year seven. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that were, you know, as a black student, oh, that's the level he's at. That's what level we're going to keep him at because we don't see him further than that. We're really truly, my potential was a lot better than that because mm. I wouldn't have been here in this environment. Um, but it was never like, you know, anything worse than, than that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So being at boarding school and being away from your parents for three weeks at a time, like you said, what kind of emotional support would you get from the school? Because you're, cause you're, cause you're still kids yeah. at the end of the day. And, yeah. you know, emotional support is very important. Yeah. So how, how, how did you get that? Is that something you got from your friends or? Yeah, to be fair, we were lucky because, you know, the, each year was assigned a year tutor and each house was assigned like a year group teacher. So you, in your seven people in your year group in your house, you had mm-hmm. a teacher as well. And then as you grew older, you had a um, like a teacher tutor who will be like the person you sort of go to for career advice, academic advice, mm-hmm. social advice, all of that. And so I had a, I had a lady who was um, my tutor for maybe about four or five years. She's single-handedly one of the most supportive persons, people I've ever met in my life. She's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, she's been... When I want to cry, I go to her to cry. When I want to laugh, I go to her to laugh. When I want to go to her for advice on anything from career, friends, whatever, mm. I go to her. And she was a lending ear to to help me through that. And she, to this day, she even messaged me um, not too long ago saying, I want to come to London because she's now based um, like in South Africa, for example, mm-hmm. in that sort of region. She said, when I come to London, I want to see you. It's been such a long time, but we still talk a lot through the socials and okay. the, uh, mm-hmm. messages and stuff like that. And so people were assigned tutors to sort of get the emotional support and also your friends like you live with these people for seven years yeah you share a room with at least one person for four years wow okay so and for me i was lucky the fact that um so in my year group at that time there was two black people in my year group in my house mm-hmm. out of seven people so out of seven people was two of us were black i mean him we shared a room for four years shared a house for seven years and to this day i saw him like last week you know okay, we're still very very nice. close and so these people who they become your family yeah. because like you see them more than you see your own siblings or your mm. own parents for example and so yeah to be fair the school did quite well in terms of like pastoral care and emotional care but we already had cases of people you know who are cause you know you sort of had kids who are sort of harming or being yes. suicidal mm-hmm. or using drugs as a, as a vice to sort mm. of go through whatever going through that was quite rare mm-hmm. um, yeah it was quite rare the 10 years that I was there it happens these things happen yeah. it's a traumatic experience to somebody who's going through it um, but yeah, to be fair, the school did try because we were, it was so many of us and we were isolated in the sense of like, we had our own sort of massive ground. So we were not, we, were, we can't go to the nearest town and sort of do whatever we want. Mm. We were together as a school. And so the school did try for emotional care. Okay. Do you think if, um, if things had been happy, happier at home, do you think that you possibly could have fallen into like that feeling of loneliness, loneliness a lot earlier? Yeah, um, I think to be fair, even at school, there were times when I was I experienced loneliness, not excessive as later on in my life, but mm. um, because you know, for example, um, my class, my, my, all my friends were really good at sports, for example, mm. so they go off to like matches off of off of the school grounds, and I'd just be at school by myself <laughs> doing okay. nothing. Okay. And that was only a matter of hours, so it was just like, oh wow, like I'm a bit lonely, but I'll be alright. Right, right yeah, yeah, yeah. Catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't too bad. So yeah, you experienced it then, but it wasn't excessive. But even going back home, like as I said, home wasn't that great. But as you know, I had a bed to sleep in. I had I had family to be around with. And he so, said I had a bed to sleep in. <laughs> I mean, I'd hope it so. It wasn't that bad. Like even when I go back now, it was like okay, like we all tried. My parents tried and all of, of that. Course, so it wasn't yeah. it wasn't too bad. But, um, no, no. Obviously, like I'm not trying to paint your 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 home to be, home life to have been like a dungeon. Obviously, <laughs> can you imagine? But, <laughs> I can imagine it was probably a very nice home. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? But yeah. at the end of the day, like you say, our parents go through their own traumas. Yeah. So and how they act out as parents has 
a direct effect on, on us, you know. So, yeah. yeah, no, I'm not trying to like you know paint your parents out to be dragons or anything. They're just <laughs> they're just parents, they're just human beings you know. Exactly, like us, they're yeah. just human beings. Okay, so moving into I guess a career now, because mm. um, I wanted to talk to you about um, you know being a black man in the workplace. Mm. How's How's that experience been for you? Um, for me, it's been, I think, a unique experience. When I sort of hear stories of other black people, so men and women, um, in the corporate environment, for example, in the workspace, I'm hearing stories of, like, literally, like, outward, outwardly, like, overt racism, you know, or oh, you're black, you must like Stormzy, or stuff like that, just, like, stereotypes that, you know, not all of us fall into. And it's just like, at least have people talking to you in your office. When, for me, I've had experiences where people respect me, and I, I'm... Other people, you know, there's boundaries, there's mm-hmm. respect levels. Um, I think because I'm an aspiring solicitor, so I'm not actually trained or qualified yet, yeah. but I'm parodying at the moment in a law firm. Mm-hmm. And I've had two, um, I've worked previously at two different um, financial institutions, uh, a bank and a hedge fund, and where, you know, you're in a d- diverse environment. So people mm-hmm. are just naturally going to be very cautious, you know, caution the way they talk to other people mm-hmm. and not be, you know, culturally or racially, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of touchy or yes. trying to cross mm-hmm. the mark kind of thing. Yeah. But very, they're cautious. Yes. You know, they want to mm-hmm. respect other people and their backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And so, but I do hear stories of, you know, people being the sole black person in their team or in their office and having people just like throw the most stereotypical black stereotypes at them. I'm just like, oh, I really don't know how you guys manage. But um, yeah, no, I've been lucky. So the places I've been, I haven't been... I've ever been the sole black person in my team mm-hmm. or on the f- trading floor or in, just in the office, but and other times there are other black people around as well. Mm-hmm. So you sort of build that, com- um, you know, camaraderie or f- fellowship or friendship with other people who are black as well, but also people who are not black do respect you. The fact yes. that mm-hmm. they won't come at you left with the worst stereotypes. So for me, I've had to open my eyes and sort of know that I'm not the only person who's had the experience. When people tell me their stories, I can't tell them, well, it's never happened to me, so therefore yeah. you must be lying. But mm. really, truly, it happens to a lot of people. Everyone just has their own different walks. Mm. So yeah, mine's been not too bad, to be fair. But I do have an, an awareness of other people and their experiences. So when you say not too bad, it sounds like there's an element of um, something. I'm not. Sure. I, I I would never know because a lot of the time I've been the most junior in my team. I've right. Been, okay. Um, so therefore, I'm doing stuff that junior people do or. I won't be in certain rooms because I'm a junior. Mm-hmm. So, and for me, I can't say, oh, because I'm black, therefore, you know, I'm not getting involved, I'm not getting what I need to mm-hmm. develop my career kind of thing. And the work that I do has always been hands-on, there's always been sort of high-level, um, quite, you know, more senior type of work. So I, I've been lucky in that sense, but there are times when, you know, you sort of do feel ostracised because you might be the only black person mm-hmm. or because you might be the only junior person. And it's just like, how do I navigate this? Is it because I'm black or is it because I'm just need, I don't need to be in this environment at this time? Hmm. So you try to sort of step in and go, oh, can I get involved in this or can I please do this? And it's like, yeah. no, you, you know, we don't need you for that. And it's just like, okay, that's fine. Nobody's hmm. come out and said, oh, we don't, you know, said anything subtly or overtly or co- um, covertly racist or anything like that. So hmm. it's been it's been an okay sort of um, journey for me so far. I mean, I'm, I'm very much in tune with how things can be interpreted and how things are said. So mm-hmm. even when I do sort of pick up things, it's like, no, you know, maybe may me just being so reacting, for example, mm-hmm. or what it could be, but it's, it's been it's been okay. But it's just like, I think just work in general is not going to always be fantastic. Where I am yeah. now, I love it so much. Like it's a great team, again, very diverse, very mm-hmm. open, great work I'm doing. So I can't complain with that. So I'm just praying that it just carries on being positive from here on out because I've had bouts of where you know, you're not in a supportive team, you're not really getting yeah. good work, you're not really progressing your career, you're just being quite stagnant. And so it's like, hmm, how do I navigate this? Let me just see what's out there in the market and maybe move on or find out on different things that I can do or just build my own internal um, <clears throat> working environment mm-hmm. or support system in, in the office. Mm. So how, have you, how long have you been working in um, law? Um, I've been doing law for f- three plus years now. Okay. Yeah, as a paralegal for three years. Um, as I said, in two financial institutions and now in a law firm. And it's been a steady progression in, in terms of like getting the experience I need to train, to get a training contract. Training contract, yeah. Which mm-hmm. is to train and qualify and as a solicitor. And then 
moving with my career because I, I really do believe that my story of like the years of I've been paralegal in and my journey through my, health, my mental health issues during that period as well mm. can be a good story to other people to sort of share like look if I can get through it and get to here mm. I know you can too you know so talk to us about how you've got through your mental health issues like what what things have you done um a lot of things um just to start off, I haven't, I haven't been taking any medication. Um, I'm not an advocate for that, really. But I know that some people do need it because of how severe their issues are, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, whatever stage they're in, in life that they need the medication to maybe stabilise or to bring themselves back to quote-unquote quote unquote normality. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's been a lot of um, positive affirmations, a lot of a lot of prayer, a lot of speaking to people. Because mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people underestimate the power of venting. Yes. When you talk to other people about what you experience, what you're feeling, you just it's like a, a weight was off your chest, literally. Mm. So in 2016, before I started my first job in law, um, somebody from church that I know, um, a bit older than me, not too old, um, like a young married man, he hit me up. I've known him for quite a while in the church. We're both in a quiet time. He's like, Larry, how you been, man? I was like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm okay. And I think he sort of sensed the fact that I just said, I'm okay. And it wasn't like a genuine, like, yeah, I'm good. What's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, oh, I'm doing like a a guy's meetup in my house um, in a couple of weeks time. Do you want to come through? And initially, the old me would have been like, nah, I'm not really, I'm not really about it. I'm not really feeling Mm. it. But I think because I was such a place where I need change, I need help. I need somebody to talk to. I was like, yeah, you know, I'll I'll be there. So um, that was sort of the beginning stage of like our, our mentorship um, relationship at the time so it's been about three years plus now and he helped me do really well in my first job he's helped me do really well in like my mental state my faith in my finances and my career and so just having someone to talk to who's more mm. experienced than you <clears throat> to help you navigate these spaces and he's been a great help in somebody who's just guided me and helped me to you know pray more read the bible more um go out there and just sort of like build more relationships and friendships so that's one element of where Again, just talking to somebody who's, he's not a therapist, he's not a doctor, he's mm-hmm. not a pastor or anything like that. He's just be somebody who's been a great friend and a great sort of mentor, a mentee relationship to mm-hmm. sort of learn from. So that's been a great way. Another way um, I sort of tell people is positive affirmations. Whether that's for you, some people write things on, on paper and read it every single morning. Mm-hmm. Some people write, read the Bible, some people... Um, look at certain blog posts or Instagram posts that have really encouraging lines. And a lot of these things, you just feel into yourself, into your mind. People yeah. underestimate how powerful the mind is. Mm-hmm. This is the mind that has built has built a car. This is the mind that has built a house. You know, yes, it's done through hands and through the body and through people and teams, but it all originated from a mind. Yeah, because it was created in the mind it was first. It created in the mind yeah. first. Mm. The, the mind is very, very powerful. So I tell people, like, feel into your mind, to your internal positive things that will come out outwardly positive as well mm. and so for me at a point for many many years I've listened to gospel music every single morning for and this is to sort of start my day very well mm-hmm. and to start my day on a positive note and on an inspiring note on a note that's positive um yeah just helpful and beneficial and also connected with my faith just to sort of give thanks to God to sort of you know mm. start the day well and just pray that you know the day goes well the week goes well mm. my life is getting better and everything like that um, another way was through oh ther- sorry before you do go into therapy can you give us like maybe an idea of like what particular tracks you might listen to in the morning that okay. help kind yeah. of uplift you the one song that really helped me when I was really down was um, a song called um, Encourage Yourself mm-hmm. um, is that, who's that by? by I think Tri-State Choir so it, the words literally break down of sometimes you feel discouraged feel down but speak positivity into your life. Speak that you will win, even in the storm. Speak that you will accomplish this difficult situation and ask for strength and um, and favour in it as well. So I did a blog post on it where I sort of broke down the lyrics, lyric by lyric, applied those lyrics to my life and said, you know, I think the lyric goes, um, sometimes you will feel discouraged, but encourage yourself in the Lord. Um, so I literally just had to like apply those um sentences or lyrics to my life and sort of tell people in my blog post and through this mind that look as simple as literally speaking positivity in your mm. life can transform so much like before I went to therapy before um, I thought about medication or anything like that I was just using music for me music is such a powerful tool mm-hmm. and it's always been a sort of like 
the focus of my life from from birth. I've always listened to love music, from writing to yeah. singing to dancing to it, all of that. And so I used that as my method of as encouragement mm-hmm. and using it to sort of get me through difficult situations. Can you give us an example of like an affirmation that you you might have said to yourself? Um, affirmation. I don't really do myself affirmation to myself much. It's normal for music, but I know things that are very good to sort of tell yourself that you're you're strong you're mm-hmm. courageous you know you're you're a doer you're you know there is hope you know in such difficult situations mm-hmm. a lot of things that you know you can simple that you can google you can youtube you can there's a lot of instagram posts that my girlfriend now sends to me of like really good affirmations of um starting the day well and just really believing yourself or let's say you want to accomplish something in the future you want to mm-hmm. be um a director of a team or you want to own your own business say stuff like i will own my own business every single morning and really believe in it and really believe that you will do it one day mm-hmm. it might not be tomorrow it might not be next year it might not even be five years but knowing that you're working towards something, towards something. You're, you're believing something that will actually come mm. to fruition and yeah, a lot of it is just saying things that you want to see in your life you want to be strong mm. you want to be um, um, a great friend or a great partner or you want to do well in your career or you want to earn a certain, am- a certain amount you want to save a certain amount you know, I want to save 10K by the end of this year. Yeah. I want to do X, Y, and Z. You know, these things that you just, the more you say it, the more you um, believe it, the more it will actually come mm. to fruition. So you just about, before I interrupt you, you just about to say that you also use therapy um, as a means to kind of um, help you. So do you think that combination of your spirituality and therapy, you needed that in kind of equal doses in order for you to kind of, yeah, because there is power in prayer. Prayer is very important for your spiritual walk and is very integral to better yourself, your surroundings, your your lifestyle, your life. Mm-hmm. But it's not the only thing. You know, I, I believe God put people in, into our lives, into this world, that are tools to aid what he has said as well in mm-hmm. the word or in the Bible or through other people, whether it's through a pastor, or through a therapist or through a doctor. You know, there are people who have the, school, the, t- um, the skills and the tools to equip people who are struggling and suffering. So, which is why I was very specific with um, the therapist, frontline therapist that I want a black Christian man yeah. who who understand my my lifestyle, my journey. And the person that I had, he was, you know, he's a strong Christian man. He, in our sessions, as in we would pray together, he would send me scriptures to read mm. that would encourage me. He will tell me like, um, things I should pray about or should do or he would really encourage me not only as a therapist who's you know normally you sort of think of they would sit there listen to your story and give you pointers sort of mm-hmm. how to you know do better but he would actually tell me I really believe in your story and who you are as a person I'm really proud of your growth and he would tell me things that you know you would normally hear from a parent or parent, from a yes. partner mm-hmm. and I was like is this my new uncle what's going on because <laughs> he's really like pouring strong affirmations positive words yes. praise into my life mm. into my life that I really at that point needed and I hadn't heard it from anywhere else and mm. like he was a great human being and I hope I think I will see him again in the new year I had sessions maybe about two or so months every week mm-hmm. so maybe coming up to like 10 sessions or so and it was a really great period just to sort of like get my mind together sort of think about how I'm going to navigate the next year and my future yeah. and my life as well and I think I was going to touch in with him again in the new year to sort of see how my year has been since mm-hmm. I've seen him and how I can navigate the next part of my stage of life, sorry, in terms of just like, just generally in terms of my career, relationships, um, prospects and just parts of my, my, my walk in mm. life. So did your, did your faith develop as a result of, you know, were you always quite strong in your faith from a young child or, or was it more once you got into adulthood and you kind of maybe, I don't know, like with obviously what you're going through with your depression and anxiety, mm. Did that make your walking your faith stronger, would you say? It's weird. It's like, it was ups and downs. So there was times when I was really depressed and I wouldn't pray. I wouldn't listen to music, mm. listen to gospel music, because it's like, a God that loves me wouldn't have me go through X, Y, and Z. But then there were times when it's like, I'm really in the pits of what I'm going through right mm. now. I am really struggling. I need help. Mm-hmm. I wasn't getting help from any friends, family, anybody around. And the only person I could literally cling on to and look towards was God. Mm-hmm. And he was the one that would literally like speak to me in terms of like playing, you know, songs to listen to or scriptures to read in the Bible that will really ignite my faith to really believe mm-hmm. and know that he's, he's there for me, even in the midst of like, you know, the lowest of lows. And so, yeah, it was ups and downs. And it's like a roller industry of where sometimes I'll be like really, really close with God 
in my struggle and sometimes I would be really not be close with God in my struggle it's just mm-hmm. like I think that comes sort of plays with like the whole anxiety of overthinking things and really thinking a lot of and just going literally your mind just go as far as possible yeah. in thinking and believing different things and also because you're so low and depressed and so sad that you just be like I don't want to deal with this anymore I don't yeah. want to deal with you know asking God for help whatever it is mm-hmm. so but it was you know I've always been a Christian like Christian yes mm-hmm. and going, growing up as a child as a Christian going to church regularly and being part of the choir and stuff like that and but that doesn't mean you have a relationship with God going to church and you know doing stuff Absolutely. like that it's mm-hmm. really honing and harvesting a relationship and an environment where you and God are connected mm-hmm. through reading the word through praying through fasting through um, singing his praises and stuff like that and so I think over the last few years of where I've been in a positive state, I really have to thank God every day the fact that I'm not where I used to be. Because mm. where I was before, it was dark, it was lonely, it was it was painful. And where and it was really crying out for help at that point is where I'm able to sort of understand how he helped me through that and mm. you know how I overcame that as well. And so now that I'm in a good space in the last number of years now, it's like, yeah, I can really depend on God in all things mm-hmm. because... He's the one that will strengthen me. He's the one that will guide me. He's the one that will help me through good and bad times. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, you know, a relationship with anybody will never be constantly good. Yes, of course, yeah. You have mm-hmm. ups and down times with your mm-hmm. parents, with, relate, with a partner, with friends. But it's where you come back to the centre of it all, where why are we so close? We're close mm-hmm. because we have a mutual understanding of respect or love for each other. And it's the same with God, with where you will have good and bad times relationship with God. And that's, and that's okay. Mm. You know, you, it won't always be perfect. It's, as believers, we go through a lot of things where we question God, like, God, why? Yeah. Why did this happen to me? Why am I going mm. through Why am I thinking this? Why am I feeling this? And you have to allow him to use you or at least listen to him to sort of get to the next step in your, in your life or in your stage or, your, or whatever it is that you need to overcome mm-hmm. through and with his help, only with his help, honestly. Mm. So, I guess now that you're kind of on the other side and you're you're in a good very good place right now yeah how would you going forward do you think you'd be very kind of quick now to be able to catch yourself before you kind of fell back into another hole yeah 100 percent. i think i at the time when i was going through depression and anxiety i had no idea what it was i didn't have the ring i didn't have the words for it i didn't have an understanding of what it was i was feeling i just felt low yeah i was overthinking and but coming out of that, and I didn't, I didn't come out of it through medication or therapy. I just had to pull myself Self out up and mm. out of it. I was like, I can't deal with this. I mm. am too, and it's not my innate nature to be sad all the time or to be to overthink things. You know, that's never always been me. Mm. So when I came out of it, I was like, okay, cool. I know where I was before. I know where I am now. Where I am now, I'm in a happy, positive space. Mm-hmm. Where I was before, I was, you know, X, Y, and Z. I was low. I was feeling upset. I was you know, had no care, no fulfillment in life. And so even, and, and that, as, as human beings, we go through ups and down stages of like feeling good and feeling bad. That, mm-hmm. That's natural. It's natural to be upset. It's natural to be happy. But when it's a long period of time, I think um, the NHS sort of say, if you're um, sad for a period of 14 days consistently and it's affecting you from doing daily, um, daily, um, just daily things that you would do normally, um, you might be depressed. So therefore, go and seek mm. uh, professional assistance, assistance for that. And I've I've learned that through my research. Don't quote me thinking that I'm a medical professional. No, but of course. <laughs> I, I, I've learned that through my own understanding of what it was I was going through. Yeah. And for me, it was a long period of time. So yeah, um, I've had to... So even now where I might have a couple of days I'm, I'm sad or I'm thinking about something that was um, traumatic to me or that was upsetting to me or mm. somebody, has, somebody I know has, you know, has died or whatever it is, you know, it's okay to feel sad, but... It can't go in for a long period of time because I know what I could do to yeah. me. And even periods of where you might feel self-conscious, the fact that you might have put on weight or your hairline's receding or whatever it is, mm. you know, you just have to be able to navigate that and just figure out, okay, what can I do to overcome this? Um, I'm going to get in the gym, I'm going to eat healthy, I'm going to make sure I brush my hair forward and do what I can to sort of be better. Brush um, my hair forward, don't <laughs> crack me up. <laughs> I'm being serious. You have to do things to sort of pull you out of yeah. what, could easily bring me down. Yeah. Yeah. Your hairline looks fine, though. I, I, I don't know. I just thought that my hairline's going back, but I think it's with age and stress. But again, I'm pushing it forward. Do rag. He's, li- he's literally using his hands to push <laughs> his hair forward. 
I don't know if that method works. I don't know um, either, but we're doing the way in it. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> so what's next for Larry? Um, 2020 and beyond. What's next for and you? Beyond. And the platform? What, what are so your plans? I want Foolish Mind to, to progress um, on its own in terms of like just being more out there. So when I brought it out, I initially wanted people, guest writers, to come on as well and write about their journey and experiences. But I think I was a bit um, naive thinking that because I was talking about my issues, everybody else would be, be mm. free and open to do it about theirs as well. Yeah. When people are still going through the issue currently, yes. so therefore they're not even ready to even open that box and write it down and publish it, whether it is anonymously or not. Mm. So I just thought, okay, um, I can push this by myself. So I, I still have a lot of support. People, I, people, I get readers from... All, all works of the world, like literally yeah. everywhere, every corner of the world. Um, and I appreciate that so much because sometimes when you write, when you're doing a, your own venture or whatever, you might think, oh, nobody's listening, nobody's watching, or nobody's reading. But really true, people are. People are. And people are, and people are supportive and really happy mm. with what you do. So I get so many messages like regularly of like, please carry on, thank you so much for your, yes. your show and what you're doing or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And so I do appreciate that. But I think this new year, I wanted to, um, I wanted to, I want, I want my work and my words to sort of go further. To mm-hmm. other to guess right for other people, and also have more guests right for myself as well, and mm. be on platforms like like this and and talk about my journey as yeah. well. Um, but also, I'm beginning to write a book as well. Because, Fantastic! Yeah, I'm looking to put this into like a book form now as well, where I talk more in depth about my experiences, about my journey, about what I've been through. Mm-hmm. As, again, similar to through this mind, but also but on so on careers and relationships and friendships and family and. Mm-hmm faith and all of that but put into a book form and have it just literally as one and I think for me I'm, I'm really coming out of where I was before in terms of being very low and being very anxious mm. you know my mindset has changed so much over the last few years where I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer in, in all things I'm going to really achieve a lot of things and really go forward and excel in every corner of, of my life yeah thank you no 100% and I think through just through faith and knowing that God has put a seed into my spirit and mm-hmm. sharing my story and being purpose-filled and having a purpose to sort of help people through their journeys and through their issues. Um, yeah, I won't stop until, you know, I've sort of feel that I feel fulfilled and feel complete in terms of like sharing my story and like, yeah, the book is gonna, it's in the works now. Mm-hmm. Literally like, I'm talking like, I'm just literally writing down bullet points of what I'm gonna write. So very early stages, but mm-hmm. that's the aim to sort of have book or books published in the future okay we're gonna what we're gonna self-publish this year do you think what do you reckon oh not this year no 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 no. you have to give me a few years for that one I, I really want it to be a really good starting point to sort of have it done very very well right okay so and obviously doing that alongside um other ventures that i'm doing in terms of like property and my career and mm-hmm. about that I'm, I'm very much busy yes so it will be a thing of what i want to do it and do very well so it might take me i would i won't be put a number in it or a time stamp on it it'll just be Oh, Whatever. okay, because I was thinking, oh, you know, we could do a bit of promo towards the end of the year if it was no, ready. No, 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 no. I'll let you guys know. Yeah, but no, oh, please do let us know when the book's ready and we, we'll have you back on again. For sure. No, and then we can really much. push that. Yeah. Well, Larry, do you know what? It's been a really, really interesting talk. No, thank you for um, Like I said to you, like, I just, I really wanted to kind of get across, particularly to the the male listeners and we do have a lot of male listeners um but some of you guys are still quite resistant to you know go into therapy as much as you enjoy the stories and as much as you're aware um of the benefits you are still quite resistant um so i hope this conversation and you know with larry being so open about um his experiences i do hope this is like literally another seed um, and not just men, women too, you know. Yeah. But um, I just hope this, this again, this conversation is another seed that will kind of encourage you to make that step. Because like I always say, you know, I feel like we can't be our greatest selves if our minds aren't right, mm. you know. Um, and I think going forward, I just want to see excellence and achievement for everybody. Yeah. Because we, everyone has so much potential to. Honestly, that like we all have so many. Honestly, gifts and you know, um, and that's and that's just what I want for for everybody. Mm. You know, my listeners from all over the globe. I want that for you all. Um, so, Larry, please tell the listeners where they can find you to read your posts. Um, so my website is called throughthismind.com. That's throughthismind.com. 
And you can follow me on all socials, Twitter, um, Instagram, mainly at longforlaz. Don't ask me why uh, my username is longforlaz. It's the whole story <laughs> itself, but it's longforlaz. Is it because you're tall? Um, no. No? Because my... my, my <laughs> Like, uni mates found my Instagram and my Twitter, like, years back. And mm. I was like, I need to change my name, change my name. Blah, blah, blah. And the only thing I could think of was, like, Long for Lads. And that was literally <laughs> it. Um, but, yeah, I just talk about all things in terms of, like, music, career, family, relationships, uh, mental health. I'm a mental health advocate. So I do sort of normalise conversation around mental health. Um, so we can all just talk about our, our life. Like, yes, you know, we don't overshare on social. But, again, mm. the more people are normal about, you know, yes, I go to therapy, or yes, I seek professional help, or yes, mm. I'm on medication, or yes, yeah. um, I'm okay right now. But mm. before I was X, Y, and Z, you know, people understand that it's okay to feel how you feel and to experience what you experience because we have a lot of shared experiences. A lot of us are so um, entwined, we don't even realise. We yes. are so similar mm. in so many ways, we don't mm. even realise. So, you know, I just want us to all, especially black men, you know, my platform is for everybody. It's for all readers, all, you know, all colours, all backgrounds, all, all ages and everything like that. But it was normally, it was initially for for black men, so black men are, you know, we we see ourselves as normal people as well. We're mm-hmm. not just some, you know, out of space individuals that don't have emotions or don't yeah. have, um, f- you know, different type of thought process. We mm-hmm. are, you know, we are human beings as well. So yeah. I really want us to all just to do our part in helping each other be better and, and do better. Mm-hmm. Okay, lovely. All right, well, um, guys, thank you, ladies and gents, um, and everything in between. Thank you so much for tuning in another week. Um, as you know, I appreciate you all. If you've been affected by anything we've spoken about, um, you know, you can head over to the resources page where we have a list of support services. Um, uh, we've got the BATN network. So if you're looking for a black or an Asian therapist, head over there and you can find one in your local area you can always also find the details for frontline therapist um headed up by esther there too so um guys as always take care i love you larry thank you again thank you so much for having me and it's a wrap how's that here If you love this episode and know someone who could really benefit from hearing this talk, please share. And whilst you're there, leave me a review. I'd be forever grateful. Help me build awareness and raise consciousness one conversation at a time. Listen on Spotify, SoundCloud, CastBox and Apple Podcasts.